Oh, oh, I didn't see you guys there. Are, are we live? Well, huh. uh, good morning, afternoon, and evening. Half a day. Guten Tag. Buenos dias, buenas tardes y noches. And welcome. And for everybody that I miss, hey, y'all. As my granny would say, man, I just want to say welcome to the show. Hope you guys got your drinks, your snacks, and you prepared to learn about some leadership and life lessons uh, through this discussion. Take out your pen and your pad, go grab a friend, and enjoy the show. See y'all at the end. Peace! Let's see, let's see. Testing, testing. We are live. One, two, three. It's Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? It's hump day. It's hump day, man. We are back at it. And uh, I got some special guests. I always think my guests are special. Today, today, I got some special guests, man, because this is something that's near and dear to my heart. As you guys know, I am knocking on a year being out of the suit. And as you can, you can't see it yet, but you can see what's on the screen. And the things that's on the screen right now is the group that we're going to be talking to, along with my brother Prince and one of our mentors, Mr. Alex. Okay, so what we're going to do is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to bring them in. But as you can see right now on the screen, what you're looking at is four block. All right. And uh, there they help with transitioning uh, service members. And I'm going to let them get into the details of what they do. But before we do that, man, let me go ahead and, and introduce to some and present to others. We have the panel. We got Prince, Alex, we got Eric and Lisa. I'm going to hand this over to Prince and let him do the officials. And then we're going to jump into this thing. What you got, Prince? Awesome. Hey, good evening, everybody. So, you know, Sergeant Artie Murphy Club, how we do it. We're coming in to do our best to give whatever we can before we exit. Uh, Griff was one of my mentees going through the Audie Murphy Club process, and Alex was my mentor um, when I was a young staff sergeant struggling to figure out the Army. So um, tonight we have Alex Perea, first sergeant retired. Um, he retired out of Fort Gordon, Georgia. After he got done retiring, he spent his time um, becoming a police officer. And so on many a nights, I got to listen to his riding down the road and his shenanigans of what he's got to deal with. That's right. And you'd be surprised of how many cats he's got to go get out of trees for little old ladies. Um, <laughs> and then we've got, we've got Eric, um, who I met during my transition, which we're going to get into later about how stressed and how much anxiety I had. I think Eric and Lisa will be able to tell you this evening how much stress was going on through me like i i bugged them like at least 10 12 times a week more than i bugged you alex which is almost impossible <laughs> um so you know eric called me and introduced me to this whole process and we had a, a great conversation and you know eric at the time was the uh regional director for the philadelphia area for four block and then we have lisa who, who is awesome and, and actually got me in a little bit of trouble with my wife and Eric because I did not <laughs> tell my wife about the four block for the um, spouses. Mm. 
so it, it definitely is something that you know between Eric and Lisa they'll be able to give you both sides of the coin as far as what they do for the service members and how they do it for the spouses but I'm going to pass it over to Alex and let him go ahead and give another brief introduction of himself and where he's at today thanks I appreciate that Prince how's everybody doing everybody's doing all right good 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 glad to hear um I think first and foremost I want to thank everyone um all of you um not just for what you're doing but for what you've done also um I think that goes you know there's a there's a saying out here in the civilian sector by a lot of folks that they you know folks always say hey thanks for your service um appreciate what you did um but when one of us steps out of the uniform we truly understand the significance of that service um because we we did it we got up every single day um and like i tell my my son who's uh active duty soldier at the 101st with third brigade of the of the rockasons i tell him hey big guy you're the guy that's got to pull up those boot laces every day not your wife not your two boys that's you um so i'm alex prea uh retired us army first arm um i did uh just shy i did uh, just shy of 26 years i did 25 years 8 months and 3 days and 1 hour um so um, but who's counting <laughs> yeah who's who's <laughs> counting right who's counting right lisa um and within that time i i i served 4 years in marine corps and then uh, the remainder of all that active duty time was army um when i retired um i wanted to continue to serve i've always had a, a niche and a wanted to uh continue service so i became a law enforcement officer here in the state of florida where i retired to um i was a tallahassee police officer for 3 years and then from there um, i transitioned and moved down to manatee um where i became a uh, manatee county deputy sheriff um and i reside just south of tampa i'm in the hillsborough county area um and then after 31 years of doing all of that my wife looked at me and said hey maybe it's time we we kind of start giving to ourselves a little bit and start doing something a little different um so i just woke up one day and that was it it's time to time to move on um but i'll say this um i'm going to cover some topics um and at any point any of the panel members if if i hit on something um just please just just jump right in there um because this is near and dear to me because i've seen this i've seen what i'm about to talk about in service and then i've seen it it out of service and it's incredibly kind of um eye opening if you would for a lot of people when you encounter veterans that are on the out and then you see them at their worst and, and worst worst uh so when you're a law enforcement officer you deal with a lot of veterans um at some point where they're either at the bottom of their of their crisis scale or they're at the very top of that thing and they need help right now um so i've encountered all of it um in my law enforcement career i went uh, they sent me through crisis intervention training um where you spend a week with um mental health professionals and they kind of prepare you i will say out of all the courses that i took as a law enforcement officer that was the best one by far um the amount of times that i went to mental health calls as a cop outnumbered every other call i went to tenfold um if i did if i did uh you know 15 calls in a day uh six of those were mental health related 
and probably half of those were crisis where literally that person had to be transported to a crisis center um, immediately. So I'm going to jump right into it. So here's how I have uh, veterans that are, um, here's the four categories that I have them in. Um, one is a veteran who serves and uh, left the Army or the Marines, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guardsmen. And every action after that, after that service, whether that was a three-year commitment or whether that was a 20-year commitment, everything they do, they do, they always reflect back on their service time. And it was either the best time of their life or the worst time of their life. And they always come back. And the moment you identify yourself as a veteran to them, they can easily and quickly go back to, oh man, you know, I remember when I was in, you know, you didn't have cell phones or when I was in, we didn't have those fancy colors that you guys have. Or was when I was in, you know, everybody got yelled at, you know, or when I was in, you know, uh, there was no, you know, male and women, you know, together. Uh, I, I hear a lot of that from the older, the older, the much older crowd. Um, so that's kind of that first group for me. Those folks are usually, they've been in society long enough now that they are kind of, they're rerouted themselves and they know how to kind of function on a day-to-day -day life and on a, on a level of where they, they genuinely have accepted the way their life is currently today. Number two is the retiree or the veteran that served or retires and stays right where they were, i.e. they do a 20 plus year career. They retire on Friday as a uh, sergeant, staff sergeant, sergeant first class, master sergeant, sergeant major, chief warrant officer, major, whatever rank you want to throw in there. And on Monday, and I know there's there's that new law that has to, they have to wait six months, but on Monday, <laughs> they walk right back into the building where they were just serving with a suit and tie on. And for the remainder of their days, they stay plugged in to what I like to call the matrix. They stay plugged in. They can never leave it. And they, they a lot of times, believe in their head that, oh, this is the best situation for them. And in, in, in reality, when you sit down and you can genuinely peel back the onion, which most will never truly be honest with you, is the fear. The fear of leaving something that they are so comfortable at doing and something for a lot of them were so good at doing and they know the surrounding, they know the territory, they know at 9.30 in the morning on a Tuesday, they can walk right into the commissary and not be in any lines. They know they can go to the PX on a Sunday if they're on a, a training base and they're going to see all the brand new privates and they're going to walk around and be like, what a disgrace. What a disgrace. Back in my day, I would have done a gazillion push-ups back in my day if I would have been, you know, walking around like that, right? That veteran and that service member um, is incredibly tied to that service. And a lot of them will never break free of it. And they have to stay tied in. They have to stay plugged in. Just like Morpheus said, they'll, they'll die before they come out of it, right? Because it's so ingrained in their everyday activity that they there's just no way. My third category is the veteran uh, or retiree that serves and is incredibly resourceful and thrives in the civilian sector and knows how to completely start a new chapter of their life. And you will find 
that in the Fortune 500 company listings, there's quite a few that are former veterans. Uh, a lot of it too, a lot of Rangers. Rangers always leave and they end up opening Fortune 500 companies, right? They have like a, they have a mantra, right? But a lot of those successful CEOs serve and they know exactly what their plan is for transition. But most importantly, they know how to tap the resources to get that plan in motion and how to actually build you know, that, that empire that they've been thinking about and, and putting in, into plan for years. And those are the ones that a lot of times you won't even know they're a veteran unless you read their bio or unless it comes out in some conversation that you're having somewhere. But those aren't the ones that are running around rah, 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 wearing the I'm a veteran shirt, you know, uh, check me out. I did OIF, every version of it. You know, those aren't, those aren't the guys with the ERB on the back of their window on their vehicle where they have every medal they earned and every ribbon is on the back windshield, <laughs> right? And they're like, holy cow, man, I got whole no, ERB. <laughs> their whole ERB, right? We used to, you know, we used to call them that, the ERB guys, right? So th those are the ones that a lot of times, to me, can truly genuinely help a, a veteran um, understand what that transition means. But they just, they're, they're, they're more interested in their new life and in the life they're creating every day. And then my fourth category, which is the one that I dealt with a lot in, in, in law enforcement, which is the veteran that serves. And when they separate, their life is a disaster. They're uh, addicted to drugs. They're addicted to alcohol. They're addicted to, to um, de like things that we think about and we're just like, wow, you know, look at this guy standing on the corner with a cardboard sign. And then a lot of them, oh, veteran, please help out, you know, down on my luck. Um, every single time I would see somebody like that where I worked, I would literally stop my patrol vehicle, lower the window and be like, are you a true veteran? And they'd be like, yes, sir. Show me your veteran ID card right now that you can get for free down at, at the resource center for the VA. Show me that because you don't need to be standing on this corner. There's resources not only that the county has, but that the VA has. Oh, you see, sir, you know, I just, you know, I tried. And the reasoning a lot of times in, in my experience, what I learned is the addiction they have is stronger than anything else surrounding them. And it continues to keep them in that lifestyle. Um, the amount of veterans that I had in the back of my patrol car going to jail for domestic battery, for, you know, um, you know, uh, some of the other uh, things that fights in nightclubs and bars and stuff like that. And every single time I would have this conversation with them, I would say, hey, you know, I'm a veteran just like you are. And they'd be like, no, you're not. No, you're not. And then I whip out my blue ID card and show it to them. And they're like, oh, wow, you were a first arm. I was like, yeah, <laughs> let's 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 have a conversation now. But many of them without even knowing it is because they're struggling with some form of mental illness and some form of mental health crisis and they don't know how to put those pieces together to kind of conquer every day and say hey i know i struggle with severe post uh, stress traumatic post-traumatic stress disorder and i have these other things but they don't know how to manage it and then um a good portion of them they have burned every bridge possible every bridge possible. I've called some of these veterans families and they're like, oh, we can't deal with Brian anymore. He's too much. Like he, he took the car, he wrecked it. You know, we came home one night, he had pawned off all of our stuff. 
Mm. Um, and, and again, that's that crisis moment to where a lot of folks just don't know how to point them in the right direction to get them the help they need before they get to that to that roller coaster straight downhill to where they cannot recover um, and they have that stuff. So those four categories, excuse me, is what I encountered and kind of what I saw. Even my years in service, I would see category two every day. The guys that are still plugged in. They're, shoot, at the cyber training battalion, every single, almost every staff member in their civilian was a, was a, a former service member. <laughs> right. Some of those guys, I was the like, whole team, the whole team, <laughs> the whole team was former, you know, guys and gals that had served. And I'm just like, huh, I guess you're not going back to the home state. Why should I go back to the home state? I live a great life here. There's no need for me to leave. Um, and so, which spins me into my next topic finding your place and your niche finding your place is huge most folks that haven't served um, and never went through that process and I, I was just having this conversation with a, with a marine um, buddy of mine and we were talking about what happens to you when you transition from civilian to service member in most branches now obviously I get it things are a little bit different from back in the stone age when I went to boot camp, right? You but, said it, as long as you track it. <laughs> I, I got it, big guy. But most people don't realize what's happening to you. And I was telling my one of my adult children this the other day, what happens is you're not just stripped of kind of who you are. You're stripped of your individuality and you're shown and explained that, hey, you as the singular individual, you're not what's important anymore. The team is what's important. The collective is what's important. A lot of privates joining the military don't know that. They figure that out afterward when they're done and they all get happy because they did something together and they figure out the guy they wanted to punch in the face the first week is now the guy they're hugging because he was able to complete the obstacle course, you know, somewhere down the, somewhere down the line. They're like, oh, that's that's the nature of it. That's the crux of it, is when you're able to understand that that is what's stripped away from you. So now, when you're thrusted back into the civilian, you know, kind of arms, and you're given back to to Mother Goose, you're kind of like at a loss. And and, I, and here's my reference: after almost 26 years, my career ended in an office in Fort Gordon with me and a civilian gentleman, him printing off my DD-214, handing it to me, and thanking me for my service. That's how it ended. And this is, this is an important message. When you leave this, when you leave this, when you walk away from military service, there's no Hall of Fame jacket, there's no Super Bowl, there's no Super Bowl trophy, there's no Super Bowl ring, there's no, you know, collection of every year you're going to go back to the reunion. But th there is none of that. You genuinely walk out into an open space of just emptiness where you now, if, if you don't have the right tools and you don't have the right resources behind you from day one of separation, you're already on a downslope already. The moment you drive away from the base on the sec on the day you leave, that your car's already going downhill, already going downhill. 
Because if you didn't leave with some form of foundation around you, if you didn't leave with some form of support group around you, it's going to be an uphill battle. So that's why to me is finding your place. What is your place? Do you do you have an interest to where you're going to go back to your hometown and you're going to give back to your community? Do you have an interest that you're going to take the degree that I wish every service member, this guy should have taken advantage of that, but I didn't. I was too busy leading soldiers, right? So are you going to take that degree and put it to good use? Or was it just something you got for your ERB Mm. just so you can get promoted a rank? Mm. Or is it something you're going to use and say, hey, my degree can actually transition into the civilian sector. When I left the Marine Corps, I went to an interview to sell fire extinguishers. The woman said she couldn't give me a job because I had no retail experience at selling items. I sat across from that table. Mentally, I was choking the life out of her. Physically, I was in complete (laughs) shock and awe that I could not get a job after serving in the Marine Corps for four years, leading men in combat situations, and I couldn't sell fire extinguishers? Where are we? And, and so I got out, I walked out of there and I was completely distraught. I was like, this, this can't be how it's going to be. So that's why I say, are you putting the things in place throughout that journey to let you continue on? Or are you putting things in place to where you now have to start from scratch again? And now you have to say, man, I need to go back and get myself re-educated because that degree I took from you know Columbia Southern University on leadership, they don't even recognize that. Like they, they looked at me like, where'd you get that from? The circus? What's wrong with you, guy? Like get out of here with that, right? What so, you got, Eric? You had your hand raised, Eric? Yeah, I just I wanted to jump on Alex's point. Just you know. Um, finding finding your niche you know having that that pathway and, and getting those tools in place and but i do have to correct him on one small point like you sat down with that civilian he signed your dd214 but he also gave you a very very special cardboard box and inside that box was a nylon u.s flag not a cloth flag a nylon cheap ass <laughs> u.s flag thank you very much and a bumper sticker wonderful so wonderful yeah so thank God the people in your unit hopefully uh, do something special for you on the way out the door. But you know he's absolutely right. You know you separate from the Uncle Sam kicks you out, and now you're the now you're the problem of the VA. Now you're the problem of the rest of society. So what Alex is saying is so important in terms of what are you doing to get ready for that transition mentally, so that you know day minus 365 days, day minus. I don't know, whatever a year and a half is, I can't count that high, but you got to start farther back to, to line up those resources, that education, that process. So when you drive away from post with that nice little cardboard box and your DD-214, don't lose the dog on DD-214. That sucker's very valuable. Um, you, you already know the direction you're headed, right? And you're lining yourself up and you've got a network on the outside, which, oh, by the way, is going to be the veteran network, a very powerful network we don't care what your rank was what branch you served in what you did about your discharge we want to see you succeed um and so that's this is a very important thing that, that alex was talking about all right had to get that up yeah appreciate that absolutely absolutely um great great points great points um so that that's kind of where you see a lot of the you you see this a lot with the younger service members the ones that go from 
E4, E1 to E6. The, the men and women that go from E1 to E6 and transition out, don't, because that's such a large number of transitioning service members. I, I think statistically, that's almost the largest number of, of transitioning service members. When they go out the door, you know, it's a free-for-all. It is a free-for-all on kind of, you know, where they're going to go. What resources are they going to have? Are they going to look into things that are available to them? Are they going to tie into the community? Are they just going to go back to whatever, you know, whether it's a big city, whether it's a, a you know, countryside ranch, whatever that situation is for them, are they going to go back to them? So that that's huge. The third thing, what becomes relevant? What becomes relevant is so important because that's where you really start to find out, especially with today's um, young service member that did time in Iraq, Afghanistan, or Syria. Those men and women that did tie that did time in there, things that are happening and transitioning now, you you find it very difficult to, for them to find relevance in that stuff because they felt there was a purpose. There was a purpose for them getting up every single day. There was a reason why they all suited up the same, went out that gate the same. That is is massive in the in the mental health for a lot of the folks that went over there and came back. And if some of their brothers and sisters didn't come back, it's an uphill battle again. So now they're, you know, they're living with survivor's guilt. They're living with the fact that they left with 103 and came back with 92. They left with, you know, somebody that they looked up to, somebody that they mentored, somebody that they, you know, walked every day to the chow hall with and argued who was the better, you know, baseball team, who was the better football team. You know, is LeBron James the GOAT, Michael Jordan the GOAT, right? No longer exists. No longer exists. And now they come back. And now when they transition out, the conversations around them, family, friends, close circles, make no sense to them because it isn't the conversation and the discussions that they were most tied into and most, you know, felt most comfortable with. That's a huge part of finding what your relevance is. A lot of the veterans that were, that were law enforcement officers with me, a lot of those guys and gals weren't retirees. They weren't full commitment guys. Those were guys that made it to specialists through staff sergeant. Law enforcement in our country, they, they grab a lot of specialists through staff sergeant because that's between that four to eight year window of service. Law enforcement agency love those guys. Honorable service, they did combat time, they led some people, you know, especially if they were a sergeant or a staff sergeant. Ooh, that, that's like a, that's like a gimme. But here's the dangers of that. When you leave this community and you go out and say, well, I'm still serving, I'm putting a badge on, it's not the same. It is not the same. I, I tell most folks in, in one day, here, here's just an example of one day. I went to a two-year-old who drowned and we couldn't save him. And we tried CPR on him for almost 40 minutes, couldn't save him. I was destroyed. I was, I was, I mean, off the rails, off the train rails destroyed. Went to a uh, call of domestic violence where spouse was beating on significant other, where we literally had to fight this guy and arrest him. Pulled up to the local Circle K where an old man thanked me for my service and bought me a cup of coffee. And then sat for two hours in my field training officer's vehicle and had to read a bunch of policy. That was in one day. 
in one day where I'm sitting there still thinking back to the to the morning where there's a I know there's a two-year-old laying in, in, in Tallahassee Memorial Hospital that we weren't able to save. Right. So you think taking a service member or a veteran who already has post-traumatic stress disorder and he or she is trying to keep it bubbled and then throwing them into that and thinking that that's not going to chip away at them because we all know there's acute damage and then there's just poof, full-blown initial boom right there on the spot uh, damage, right? So I know the acute aspect of it after so many decades of all the stuff that I had seen and stuff, I, I knew I was like, you know, and some of my last days in, in, in Manatee, you know, when you're Narcanning the same meth head, you know, over and over, you know, and even his family doesn't care. You're like, really? We're reviving him again? Dang. Like, come on, man. You know what I mean? So that type of behavior is kind of what you think about when you just say, what becomes relevant? Is my family relevant? Is your family still around? I told somebody the other day, uh, yesterday, I just celebrated my 20, 29th wedding anniversary. Um, I was another uh, guy, a veteran who said, you stayed married to the same person your whole career? Yeah, the man, c- congratulations, because that's not common. That's not common, you, you can't find that. I remember I was in a conference with um, probably about a hundred Sergeant Majors in Afghanistan. And at that time, General Milley was the, um, he was the subordinate commander. Uh, he was the three-star. He wasn't to the level he is today. And he asked the room of all those Sergeant Majors, how many were still married to their, to their first wife? My hand and maybe five other hands went up. And I, I was a Sergeant First Class at the time. And he said, look around the room. He goes, many of you were on your second, third, and fourth marriage. What, what, what's relevant? What has become relevant to you? So that transitions to the civilian sector when you try to find your relevancy every day for getting up. And is there a fight you're going to? Um, there's a white paper that I'm going to write, and it's called uh, Chasing Sirens. Um, and, and when I left law enforcement, I would stand by my pond and go fishing. And when I would hear a siren in the distance, my palms would sweat. Like my palms would become incredibly sweaty just by hearing that. Because in my own head, mentally, I knew I wasn't going to that call anymore. Alex wasn't going to be the guy trying to save that person. Alex wasn't going to be the one trying to arrest that bad person. And that's something that a lot of veterans struggle with in their transition is finding relevancy. And then um, my last topic that I want to touch is... Hey, Alex. Where? Yes, sir. Yeah, I just got to interrupt just for a second. Yeah, you know, the, yeah. It, you know, you touched on something really important with, with finding relevance and purpose after the service. And this is where we as veterans can help each other, you know, in that in that process, because now you're thrown out into the big, bad world with so many, you know, opportunities and and, and different types of careers and job tracks. And, and, you know, we want veterans to find something that's meaningful and relevant so that they, they have that purpose and they're going to work doing something that they enjoy, enjoy working. And a lot of veterans don't realize how much they can do, like how many skills and background talents they have that they can, can transition with some help along the way into the civilian world. So huge, huge point you're making about relevance. Also, I'd say that uh, you were married to the same woman for 29 years now and, and, and doing what you've done in the services and as a first sergeant, now as a police officer, all that means is you're married to an exceptional woman. 
Okay, it ain't you. All right, it's it's the one. She's <laughs> for sure. Uh, for so, sure. Uh, congratulations to her, and uh, she's formidable. Don't cross her. You're a deep kimchi, my friend. Uh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, for sure. Thank you. And then the last topic I'll cover very quickly is where does your service leave you? Where do you feel your service left you? Do you feel as if you did all these things and accumulated all these resources, whichever one you want to, however you want to categorize them, whether those are physical resources or those are mental resources, um, did it leave you in a place where you can leave and feel comfortable and say, I know I can do my day-to-day -day business and have this as my foundation. This is kind of what has got me where I am and where I'm going and where I need to go. Did that foundation provide that? Did it, did it really serve the purpose of what it was intended for? Or did you just go in, party a lot, drink a lot, smoke a lot, drove crazy vehicles all over, jumped out of airplanes like this guy, and did a bunch of other cool stuff that the civilians have no clue. I mean, most of the civilians, when you tell them if you were a paratrooper, they're like, what? What does that mean? I jumped out of airplanes. Why? Why don't you just land with them and, you know, do, do the regular <laughs> thing? And they're like, all right, I got you there. It's only those that understand the history and traditions. Out of, you know, if you, if you come across 20 people in Walmart, they're not going to know the histories and traditions of the 82nd Airborne Division. They, they, don't, they don't even know where that place is. So understand where does your service leave you? And that's, that's a, a, a big critical thing for me. So again, thank you um, for allowing me to speak. Um, I appreciate it. I hope those four points kind of made sense. I wanted to put them in that order because that's kind of how I walk around today, understanding that that's kind of what keeps me focused and going in the direction that I need to continue to go. Thank you. Yes, yes. That's Bravo. awesome, Alex. That's awesome. Look, if you guys just jumped in, man, let us know where you're watching from, where you're listening from. And uh, you got any questions, concerns, or issues, drop those in the comment block and uh, we'll get them answered for you. I know that our good friend Alex is uh, he, he, he's a, he's a man of many words. And uh, if you came in the middle of it, go back to the beginning and listen to the whole thing <laughs> because he dropped some jewels for you. We got some more jewels that's coming. But before we get into those, I'm just going to share my experience with the transition piece. Alex hit on some very important stuff that he's witnessed and seen over his career as a service member and as a, a Leo. And thank you so much for all of your service, Alex. And then as long as, uh, at, along with Prince, look, I was on those, uh, some of those meetings that we were having when we were training the new guys and Alex would pop onto our Audie Murphy Club meetings in the middle of the training and drop jewels. So he would be on a call. <laughs> hold, on, hold on guys, if my radio go off, uh, I'll be right back. Uh, and that's, I mean, I don't know if you, uh, if you understand, I tell people all the time, you know, um, just because if you're a leader, you're a leader. It doesn't matter where you go. You're, you're a leader. And if you really care, I think I, we stole this from Alex. You can't fake caring. Did I fake caring about people. That is Alex. That's his, uh, that from Yes, I did. I, I, you know, in the, in the military, we get used to stealing Quiet. stuff. There's only one. There's only one thief in the in the army, and, and everybody else is trying to get their stuff back. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a true statement. That's such a true statement. So you know, um, you know, he said that, and when he said that, it, it just resonated. I'm like, yeah, that's as facts. You can't fake 
you can't fake when you care about somebody. So if you're a leader, when you're when you're on a call and you're you're out serving and protecting, and one of your 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 juniors call you, one of your mentees call you, you don't say, "Hey, man, that's not that's uh, that's not my lane anymore." You pick up the phone and you be like, "What's up? What's going on with you, Prince? <laughs> how you doing, man? How can I've I already help been you? there? <laughs> how, how can I be of service to you?" Right, he's still serving, and, and to this day, I mean, like I was, we hit him up. Was like, hey, look, man, I need to get you on the show. Absolutely. What time? Y'all let me know what time. Matter of fact, y'all figure out the time and, and and let me know so that'll be easy. That's leadership, and so the reason we're here today is because transitioning has been, is, and will be a very, very difficult, hard process for service members, whether you're doing a PCS. Uh, a first time move in or for a lot of us your final PCS ETS where you're going home or going to somewhere new and uh, my experience with this was I was I was medical filled and um, I'm almost at a year and so for me where with my job we are not structured like the regular army in the medical field so we got battalions divisions and all this other stuff we got branches and you know <laughs> sections and stuff like that and so they'd be like well who's your battalion who's your company commander and i tell them it's oh it's colonel so-and-so they'd be like no that's your battalion i'm like no that's that's my company commander. trust me trust me i know what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> i i've been doing this for a little bit of time i know what i'm talking about um and so, you know, I would actually get, you know, people would fuss at me because they'd be like, I told you to get your company commander and you got this this, this battalion commander signing paperwork. Uh, so anyway, I digress. Anyway, so I'm out in Chicago, Illinois, uh, Illinois, um, at, the, <laughs> at Naval Station Great Lakes. And, um, you know, they switched from, what was it? Not ADAPSI. Oh, somebody is uh somebody facing with ASAP. <laughs> what, was, what was the old term for you to put an old term as Alex? Getting out. ACAP. 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 So they switched you from ACAP to Soldier for Life Transition Assistance Program, and they realized that that still wasn't working because they had people like me in the Army, but stationed on Air Force, Marine, uh, Navy bases, and uh, verbiage wasn't the same. So then they said, you know what? This is what we're going to do. We're going to train you from Soldier for Life Transition Assistance Program, Simple Tap, to just Transition Assistance Program. And now it should make sense. It still didn't make sense. Because even though I was in this region that was covered by somebody in Fort Knox, I think it was, um, I still had to get stuff done, which means that I was doing a lot of my stuff via Zoom and, you know, I was going to a little bitty reserve on National Guard bases, and they really couldn't help me out. They couldn't help me out. I mean, they tried, but they really couldn't help me out. And so when it got down to it, I was able to, at least my, my company commander and command team, they said, look, come down here to Fort Knox, take this senior leader symposium, and ask, get all the questions that you need answered, answered. And that was very beneficial for me. And so in that, I learned about the uh, skill bridge um, and a lot of other programs that are out there for me and for my spouse, but they were not in my area. <laughs> so what happens? 
um, I said, you know what? Well, they said that you can, the military will allow for you to go six months out if you get an internship. So I did the internship thing and it was my day of reporting for my internship when my paperwork finally got signed. I was supposed to be at my spot already, but because, because it's not very known, the process isn't well developed to where everybody knows what they're supposed to do. I was still in Chicago when I was supposed to be in Augusta, Georgia. Good that's, Lord. That's, that's, that's no bueno. However, I believe everything happens for a reason because I was, we got snowed in, y'all know Chicago. <laughs> uh, it was a crazy snowstorm came through and just buried me. And I, I was stressing out so bad, I got sick. And one of my soldiers was like, hey, look, um, you should just take a break and relax. <laughs> Call your people and let's finish this tomorrow. So long story short, uh, that happened while I was trying to uh, recover because I wasn't like sick sick. It was just that stress, that that anxiety was getting to me. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, and, you know, commander called me. He was like, hey, good news. I just got the word. They signed your paperwork. So I was good to go. I got down here. I did my, uh, my internship. Uh, beautiful program. Um, I did mine with that was in line with my degree. I work with the nonprofit organization who I still work with right now. And we are taking care of the community, the CSRA, that's the uh, Central Savannah River area in Augusta, Georgia, Aiken County area. Um, and that's what we do. That's what I do. I love taking care of people. I love helping people. I love giving back. And I love making it better. That's part of that uh, that Lean Six Sigma in me, right? Make the in process improvement. And so if we can make process improvements and we can continually do that, hopefully the service members behind us won't face those same issues. And so that is one of the reasons why when Prince heard it on one of my uh, podcasts that I had him on, and someone said that, he said, hey, we need to get four block in here because they are amazing and they really helped me through this process and I believe that they can help others. And so I'm gonna go and throw this alley-oop to Prince and uh, hey man, you can take it from here, brother. Appreciate it. Uh, Alex, always wonderful to hear your stories and man, Griff, it, it's, it's rough. It's rough, right? Um, yes. I struggle. I think the minute that I decided to I was what 18 months out i was really far out um when i reached out to eric and he's like you are super like trying to plan this thing i said listen i'm a planner i like to plan it because if i if i got a plan i'm good and i can adjust but the first person i called was alex and he was like are you sure you know and the writing was on the wall and i knew the reason why i was getting out um but it didn't stop the stress of me trying to write a resume of 22 years of service. It didn't stop me from knowing how to take the fact that I'm a good speaker and turn that into something that you can say in two to three minutes to get someone interested into you. You know, it didn't take how to tell a story about yourself, but then make something funny about it to grab somebody's attention because I'm so focused minded. You know, and it didn't also tell me how I can present the fact that it's okay that I'm suffering from PTSD, but leave that for a story when the person actually comes and wants to learn about you more. And then you tell the things that they do, because they're going to ask you, what are you doing on the weekend? 
And at that time, we know what you do on the weekend. You raise money for mental health charities. So that at that point, they're gonna ask you why. And then it builds a better connection. You know, those are things that I just learned over my last 11 weeks before the new year hit with four block and you know going through it i'm still stressed i still have a little bit of anxiety because now march 17th is my retirement ceremony and after that point it is a thousand miles an hour of going to the skill bridge like you had to grip uh job interviews at the same time don't forget you got to do your bdd and your claims and don't forget, you got to make sure everything's signed and you want to have a job starting on August the 1st because July 15th is your terminal leave date. You want to make sure that you can start job while you still have a military check to back you up. And all of these things are bouncing and everything in this house is dependent on me right now. So the stress is still there, but I am more comfortable because I learned how to better network within the corporate world. I learned how to do my elevator pitch. I learned how to tell my story. I learned how to battle through interviews, which I'm still struggling with. I just posted on four block the other day that I need help with these behavioral star method interviews. Cause I'm just used to telling you what it is and keep going. It's rough, but I can tell you four block helped me. And the main reason I wanted four block to be here. And I told you Griff, that four block need to be here because yes, the army offers you stuff. But what they don't tell you is that there's nonprofit organizations out there like Four Block that don't just take you through a transition program. They teach you lessons. While they're teaching you these lessons, they bring in corporate America. You know, and I'll let Eric get into that more. But that piece right there, when the corporations come in that got veterans inside of them, it makes you feel so much more worth worth it right because you feel worthless at first because you're like these people are in the civilian world i can't i can't go be with them i can't work with them there's nothing there for me the only thing i care about in my life is being a soldier and going through those 11 week program like they'll tell you struggle i even showed up one night in a hoodie and as soon as we got done i usually stayed over to ask my mentor something and eric said prince before you continue to talk about stuff and congratulations on publishing your book if you show up in a hoodie again, <laughs> me and you gonna have problems. You need to dress for success. <laughs> and he lit me up and I was like, I looked down and I was like, this is what happens when you spend 22 years in the army and you don't have no more clothes, but gym clothes, <laughs> two button ups <laughs> and uniform. <laughs> and we laughed about that for about I don't know, two hours after class. And it made you feel comfortable to know that there's veterans out there. There's an organization out there that is focused on just taking care of you. It was amazing. And, you know, with that, I know how I struggled. So I'm going to hand it over to Eric and Lisa and let them tell you about the 11 week program and how they could have helped the three of us, you know get through those steps and, and be more successful. Stop. All right. Prince, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm going to try and keep it short. And, and Lisa's shaking her head because she knows I, I struggle there. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> first thing I got to say is 
you know, I'm not worried about Prince because he is a planner and he's doing the right things and we're going to keep networking with him and Four Block and uh, he's going to add value wherever he goes. Someone's going to be very lucky to have them, uh, Prince, on their team. Um, so it's, the second thing I want to say is, uh, you know, there are a lot of veterans listening to this, this podcast, this episode, etc. Um, and there's some civilians also, uh, but there's some veterans that don't maybe understand or appreciate Audie Murphy uh, Club. And so we're talking with three NCOs who were all selected and members of the Audie Murphy Club, which is the pinnacle of professional excellence and achievement for non-commissioned officers is difficult to attain that status. Uh, and so, you know, Audie Murphy people are always trying to make things better and lead, you know, with exceptional leadership and, and all three of them are still doing it today. And so we talk about soldier for life. These guys are soldiers for life, no matter what they're doing. And so, um, a lot a lot of respect there and then and then third you know um alex you, you know you were a first sergeant that's the hardest job in the military i am convinced of it and uh you know your reference going back for college education the military is not still to this day i don't think figured out how to give ncos a deliberate break mid to three quarters way to the career so they can go back get a college degree or a master's and then drive on with that added knowledge etc in their leadership they just burn you guys into the ground year after year after year so it's very difficult uh, for, for senior ncos um yes, to get indeed. there um and, and it's it's something that uh, i think we got to do better at as as an, as, a, as an army um so a lot of respect for these guys that are on today and for what you're doing and, and how you're giving back um and you know uh, griff you know volunteering uh, you know doing what you do and Prince volunteering in the mental health world. I mean, it's just it's just fantastic. You guys have already made some great points tonight, you know, in, in terms of the transition process and, and what you experienced. Um, you know, Grip, like you, I transitioned out at uh, actually from University of Illinois as a, as a professor of military science in the middle of, you know, you're on an island in Urbana Champagne surrounded by corn and soy, and there's nothing military close to you. You are the senior guy in the military there. <laughs> well, we had an 806, but they don't count. Um, um, <laughs> no slight on the Navy. I come from a Navy family. Anyhow, I had to go down to Fort Knox to do the transition assistance program, etc. And it was, and it was, you know, less mature back then, 2015, than it is now. And for for all the veterans out there, you know, go through TAP, take advantage of all the additional classes they offer in TAP. But understand in a lot of circumstances, it's scratching the surface on certain topics where you have to invest more energy elsewhere to get into those areas of transition. And it's, you know, when you leave the, the military, it is a protective bubble to, to a large extent that you don't have to worry about things that you do have to worry about in the civilian world. And um, so the more preparation you can do, like Prince starting a year and a half, two years out to think about this transition, and, and going through it methodically, the better off you're going to be. So what, what Prince talked about was he took ownership of his transition. He didn't wait. You have to take ownership over your own transition because even with well-meaning leaders out there and systems that are trying to help service members make that transition, at the end of the day, it's still Uncle Sam saying, hey, I need you and I'm gonna work you as hard as I can right up to the end, you know, right up to the, to the last day. And not everyone's going to be in a position where their counterpart, you know, their counterparts on hand, and, and you can take three months off to do X. Not everybody gets to do a skills bridge. Um, you know, some people are coming back, you know, out of the service from overseas, or they're one deep in where they're working, and they are taking care of soldiers or airmen or sailors, and they they have to do that right up to the time they separate. So, uh, starting far out as you can is 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 really really important. Um, 
I got out of the service. I did some corporate consulting, some leadership and training development in corporate America. I went through a specialized training program on the outside for that. I enjoyed it. I was volunteering in the veteran space. I discovered Four Block. I fell in love with a model. I walked right into a Marine Corps ambush. I ended up becoming a regional director. Um, and so I get to do you know, what I love doing with the people I love the most. That's my brothers and sisters who have served or are serving in uniform. So I get to keep, continue to lead. So I've kind of hopped back, you know, between the, both those worlds. Like first, Arden, you were talking about before, when you get out, what do you do? And, and how do you, how do you continue to work? You know, how do you follow, you know, what's your purpose, right? What, you know, what's your, your purpose and, and what's the next mission? And, you know, for a lot of us, service is very, very big. You know, we've got the service bug or the service disease and we want to keep serving in some capacity. That has to be fed. We have to feed that somehow, regardless of what we do, or we truly will never actually be happy. And so it's something to be, you know, aware of uh, as a veteran. So a little bit about four block, and then I'm going to turn it over to my colleague, Lisa, who has a, a, been in the veteran space and, and education space for over 20 years. Um, you know, Four Block is a program that, that specializes on career transition for veterans and their spouses. And so that's our specialty area, connected to a lot of BSOs, a lot of organizations where we can help people get help. Um, and, and again, back to what the other gents said, you've got, you don't do it alone. You know, you, you, you're going to do this with other people. And, and what did Prince do? He picked up the phone, he called Alex, he said, yo, Tom, I made the decision, I'm getting out. What's your advice? Bingo, hit the nail on the head. Reach out to those who've gone before you that you know and you've stayed in touch with, hopefully. But even if you haven't, get back in touch and say, hey, you were, you know, you chewed my ass this one time about X, and I remember you gave me extra <laughs> and all that, but I respect you and you were right, right? And I, and I want your advice and your counsel now, okay? Like, what, what do I, how do I go through this, right? So, you know. Eric, just show up to the retirement ceremony and you know. <laughs> 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 so, everyone, so everyone's got you know mentors who were there in the military before you senior ncos officers it, you know the, and there's people that, were, that had you know less time in the service than you did and they got out they're working out there in corporate america doing whatever talk to them also so that was the first thing prince did right he reached out to his old top said hey you know what's going on um so um the you know we specialized in career development and we we want to help veterans find the right job in the right career in the right location in the right culture with the right company for the right pay with the right ability to grow into into that position and within that organization and that's a lot of rights right but it is absolutely achievable if you start early and you put that hard work in and everybody in the military knows how to work hard you you will absolutely get there we want to help you in that journey and then a couple about three four years ago we we said you know all of us have served in, in service. We know what we did to our spouses' careers. In a lot of cases, we really made it hard for our spouses to have continuity in their careers and development. So we got to do something for this, you know, for our spouses. Um, and so Lisa hooked up with another organization, and she built our career, you know, transition program for the spouses of veterans. Um, and that's been going for two years strong now, and it's just been an amazing program as well. So that's what we do, and we love doing it. And you know, we're about 12 strong full timers with. Uh, readiness, career readiness instructors who are like adjunct faculty across the nation and a lot of volunteer coaches and a lot of our four block people come back to coach in the program and we love doing it. So, um, 
I'm gonna, I want to shut up and turn it over to Lisa because she's been uh, in this space a lot longer than I have been, and she's been just an, an awesome, formidable um, member of the team for Block, keeping us straight and helping build our program, share curriculum, etc. cetera. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Lisa Stern. <laughs> oh my heavens, please. Well, I will also confess to everybody that I am the lone civilian on the panel. So, you know, it, it's very, it's always very interesting. I've been in the field of career and workforce development. I'd now just say for 30 years, because it's been a really long time. <laughs> and I'm working. To retire. We was like, I nope. am trying to retire. I'm, now just, I, I'm just part-time now. So I just decided, all right, I'm just gonna be part-time for a little while. But it's really, it, it's so interesting to me because transition is messy. Transition is, um complicated but transition is also incredibly exciting and so many times the the stories i hear from not only all of you today but from veterans i've worked with over the past 30 years are very similar to experience that i had the experiences that i've had as a civilian and that other civilians have had so a lot of of what you describe and a lot of what you feel is not veteran specific, it's transition messy specific. The, the veteran community has a great benefit because they have a community. Um, civilians don't really. So I, I always look at that and think, you know, if I, I mean, it, it's a difficult situation, um, but there is often some really just, I shouldn't say often, most times, I would say 98, 99% of the times, there's, there's a wonderful, kind of rainbow at the, at the end. Um, but but the thing that I always want people to understand is that transition begins with an end. There is um, a researcher who was a, was a scholarly researcher, but also did a lot of work in business and industry. Um, and now, of course, that I say that his name is blanking, but it's right in front of me, William Bridges. Phew, okay. See, I don't have, I don't have notes in front of me. Um, but, but William Bridges talks about three phases of transition and that first phase is an ending. You cannot transition without an end. So there's an end of something and something, Alex, that you said, which I thought was really just interesting when you think about kind of the paradox, when you come into the military, you are stripped of your individuality from what I understand. <laughs> you know, if you make it through boot camp, you are, you are a team. There's no I left in you. But then when you leave the military, the military becomes, for many, not all, but for many becomes your identity. So when you leave the military to, to start this new career, this new phase in life, you're then, you then feel stripped of your, um, oh my gosh, again, the word. Not individuality, your identity. Thank you. There you go. See, I know I had Eric here for a reason. You're, I knew it was an I. Every <laughs> once in a while, I come through. Once well, I'm also <laughs> taking Benadryl, so I'm just like, oh my gosh. So, you know, you're, you're fir at first you're stripped of your individuality, then you're stripped of your identity, and you have to kind of figure out who you are again. Um, but the but one of the points that Eric made that Prince also talked about, and also Griff, you as well. It, it has to come from you. So 4Block does all of these different things. Veteran service organizations do a lot of really great things. They do a lot of right things, but what one of the things that we don't do is do it for you. And that's the part I think where a lot of people tend to struggle. 
Um, we don't, at Four Block, we don't do job placement. You know, I've actually, I've worked in the, the, in the career centers. I used to do job placement. If something goes wrong, if you place someone on a job, although I always say you place objects, you don't place people, but whatever. If something goes wrong, then whose fault is it? You know, if I was the person that did the job placement, then it's on me. So what we do at Four Block, as Eric talked about, was real, and, and Prince, is do everything we can over the course of 11 weeks to give you the tools and the resources, the mentality, the mindset that you need to then make important, educated and informed decisions for yourself and for your family. So I know one of the things that Prince really wanted us to get across was, was the, the types of things that we go over in this 11 weeks. So every week um, for 10 of the 11 weeks, you're not only meeting with a different company, whether it's Fortune <coughs> 500, we have probably 80 different um, host companies working with us this semester. But over the course of, of these 10 or 11 weeks, each week you meet a different company. So you meet people that work within those companies, both veterans and civilians. So, cause it's really important as a veteran to learn, to tell me what you did as a first sergeant in language that I can understand, or in a, as what as a paratrooper in a, in a language that I can understand so Absolutely. that I can help you. And that's Absolutely. really hard to do. So part of this 11-week process is every week you practice a piece of that. You practice an elevator pitch. You practice telling me about yourself in something other than military jargon, because unless I'm former military working in a company that you're interested in, I, I'm, I'm, it's going to be a deer in the headlights. And unless, like Prince said, unless you can find a way to capture me, I'm going to go to the next person only because that's just what happens, you know? So there's, there's 11 different, um, or I guess 10 different main topics that we have. So one week it's telling your story. One week it's developing the right relationships and learning the, the true nuances of networking. The next week is triangulating your career transition start point. So really thinking about all of the different pieces that, that need to come together to figure out where to start. Because that's, you know, again, this you have this i'm looking because some, there's something else you said about walking out i think um alex said it you're walking out to like an empty space that's incredibly overwhelming so to figure out where to begin is sometimes a, is a very difficult um, um challenge but you have to start somewhere because if you just look at this as all empty space and just kind of climbing to get anywhere you wind up going nowhere and, so and we talk about and I gotta just interrupt Lisa just for a second because what she's saying is so important about that star point and you know in in, in you guys have heard the expression lead self lead others lead change right so it starts with the self so in our program you know what Lisa helped us do was actually actually build in a mechanism to start with the self even before the first session of of, a, of our program, we're asking veterans to take a look inward and reflect on themselves using specific tools so they see and understand themselves, their values, their strength roles, their, their behavior proclivities uh, in sharp focus as a start point in this whole process. And and then we get into the, the curriculum. Sorry, Lisa, just want to throw That's that. That's okay. That was beautifully said, Eric. I'm going to grab that piece from the podcast and use it. Before you, before you get back started, uh, let me lower my hand real quick. Um, there's one thing that you, you <laughs> it's said. It's the a new Zoom stuff. stuff. It takes it takes reactions and it and it does things with them. So. That's right. Anyway, um, one of the <laughs> things that if you guys do not know how hard it is without 
you know, that support that she's talking about, you really want to get with an organization like this that can help you um, convert military jargon to civilian jargon. Your job, you are not going to go in there and say you were the NCUIC, you were the detachment sergeant, the commander, or whatever. You need to be. Not to me, you're not. Because they're like, <laughs> okay, and what yeah. does that mean? Um, I don't know how many times I've I've heard that, and you know I'm trying to to revamp all these different things, and it's like, what did I do? <laughs> I don't know. You know, you get so used to evaluations, and you write awards a certain way, and and I I, I was so used to telling my soldiers who would come in with these English degrees that okay, that's great. However, you gotta know how to write army writing style. <laughs> You gotta learn how to. Right. You gotta learn how to write in army language, and now I'm having to learn how to write in civilian, you know, language, regular language, um, and that's so important. So what Lisa was saying is is spot on. If you're not, if you don't know, now you know, and if you only caught <laughs> part of it, go back to the beginning and listen to everything. Okay. And if you still don't know, then we're in trouble. But that's that's, that's right. a podcast. That's a podcast for another day. Um, so, but, but to that point, so so let me let me just go through the, the rest of the sessions topics, just so you know, and then I want to get back to something that you just said, Griff, because I well, let me do it now because I'll forget. It, it's it's not. I mean, clearly, it's not easy to translate military experience into civilian language. It's just not, and it's not as it's not. You can't go to a military translator to do that. The, military translators are good if you want to do the same job that you did in the military in the civilian world. If not, a military translator is not necessarily going to help you. But one of the things that does help, and this is part of the four block program, is you, there are coaches that work with each cohort of, of students or veterans going through the program. And so many of them are willing to say, send me over your resume, let me see what I can do. Or let's talk about the role that you're looking for. Let me find someone that I know that's interested in the role that you're looking for so you can learn more about what they do and then use some of that language that reflects what you did. Because so, like Eric, I think many of you have said, there's so much of what you've done that is transferable. It's just not obviously transferable because it's not making widgets to making widgets. But so many of the behavioral um, the behavioral tasks and, and even Prince, you were talking about the behavioral interviews. I don't know if have you been um, have you worked with Canterful yet? I have the website. So that was one of the um, that was one of the um, answers that I got to my post on four block. Yes. So the four block four block connect has all students and all alumni that have went through their program over the um, the years that they've been running. And if you post something on there, someone's going to answer you and give you that answer. So Canderful is on there. However, I am in the middle of packing my house, planning my ceremony and getting well, ready and to it, move. And it doesn't need to be immediately, but I just wanted to make sure, and I would like to plug Canderful for a minute because I, I still want to finish this list I was talking about. Canderful is another, is a very, very small nonprofit organization that does amazing work for just that piece, for interview assistance. Any transitioning service member, veteran, or military spouse can um, go to the, it's canderful.org. You can go to the Canderful website, you sign up. My husband actually volunteers for Canderful. So you will actually, you'll get um, maybe a call with him or someone like him, 
where they'll kind of go through the process, they explain what the organization does, and what they do is they offer you three interview co interview um, coaching opportunities with people from corporate America. So you just you sign up for the program, you decide when your interviews are going to be. You can look for my husband is a, is a um, he'll call himself a recovering attorney, but he's a retired uh, lawyer, um, and, and he was in corporate America for 35 plus plus years. He gets a lot of the JAG officers coming out who will look for him and actually try to do a practice interview. But everything they do is practice those awful behavioral interview questions. Tell me about a time when you faced a challenge and didn't get your something. That's, so that's what they does. do. Yeah, yeah. And that's what most of corporate America does. And Careful offers you an opportunity to have three different interviews with three different people. Again, you choose them. Each time you get immediate feedback from those individuals, and they'll also send you some feedback as well. It's a, it's an amazing um, organization that 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 does something very very specific, but incredibly important. So I'll just I'll put a shout out to them as well. Yeah, Canterville.org is great, and and we've got instructors and coaches who volunteer for them. And I'm going to give you a real world example right here, live action right now in the veteran and veteran space community of the power of the network and how information gets cross-fertilized. So Lisa, your husband is a recovering lawyer, <laughs> right? And I was on a lawyer's podcast. This was a lawyer in the military who started a podcast for military lawyers in transition. So we got to get your husband on he this podcast. He may have already done it. And, oh, is okay. it something right, about well. JAG? He was, he, was, he was on a, he actually a couple weeks ago was on a, a podcast for JAG officers. And I think it's because That's of someone that he interviewed. That's the or one. That I, mean, I thought I was coming up with something good uh, for him. Sorry. He's already, he beat me to the punch already. <laughs> we're, already right. we're already kind of debating, like, who's going to get more Who's gonna get more hits on their podcast, him or me? That, so that, we'll and that's how it always is. I, I got something good. Lisa's already ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> step ahead of everybody. All right, Lisa, continue okay. on with your Anyway, lesson, so, it, so I left off at triangulating your transition start point. So we, we do that. The, then there's a session on LinkedIn and your online professional presence. LinkedIn, we all know, is huge. Um, but knowing how to manage and work through LinkedIn is something that's not necessarily taught. So we have a session on that. A session on crafting your resumes. Again, it's not just, you know, it's not just um, one resume that you need to have. You need to have a resume for every single job that you apply to because it has to target that position. And that's kind of mind-blowing as it is. But there's, there's a session on that. There's a session on conducting a job market assessment, really trying to figure out, okay, where do you want to live? What's most important to you? What are your values? How much money do you need to make? What's kind of reasonable thinking about the area that you go to? So all of these different questions are kind of posed for you to, to you know, make some decisions. There's a session, uh, a session on interviewing, a session on navigating the job offer process, and then a, a, a session on succeeding in your first 90 days. So over the course of 11 weeks, it's a lot of material to cover. We have a curriculum that's real. It's, you know, nothing that we do is rocket science, but we've put enough material in one place so that it, it seems like, at least from what we've heard, that it makes sense to that transitioning service member going through the program. I just want to <laughs> show you, so this is, this little section right here is one session's worth of notes. Whoa. 
this whole sec this whole thing right here of this book is the entire 11 weeks of notes that i took and i was taking notes more than anything else during class <laughs> so well I and the re and you're doing that though because it, it's the topic is important but it's the conversations that you have with the employer host companies because we're not here this is not an academic class so we're not giving you a grade our job is to each week help facilitate conversations about a specific topic with mm -hmm. a group of veterans from a cohort and a company and the hope that the, the folks that they bring. You know, the, the amazing thing, it, I used to, I always called the civilian workforce like the wishy-washy, the wishy-washiness <laughs> of the civilian workforce. Like in, in, the, in the army, you know what you're getting for the most part. In the, in the civilian workforce, you could be an HR manager in one company and do something totally different than an HR manager in another company or be a project manager or a consultant. And it means one thing at one place and it means something else somewhere else. So the beauty of the program, I'm gonna say the beauty isn't really the curriculum, although I think it's beautiful and very well done. Um, the beauty is the ability to network and meet people that you've never met before, doing jobs that you didn't even know exist. And then for us, seeing the light bulb go off when someone, when we hear, so, when you see in someone's eyes and, and then they'll say, I didn't even know that was a job or I didn't even realize we, and I always use the finance industry as an example. We've get, gotten many veterans coming through the program who will say, I don't wanna work in finance. I mean, because sometimes it's easier to say what you don't wanna do than what you do wanna do. But then they meet people from, let's say Wells Fargo. They meet people from Jeffries. They meet people from different organizations and they realize, whoa, I had no idea that that job existed in the finance industry. I didn't even think about cybersecurity as part of, um, of, of of finance or as part of, of different things. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, maybe I do think I know where I want to go. So that's really, the whole purpose of the program is to give you experiences and conversations that you wouldn't have had before you make a choice to go somewhere without the information behind it, you know, without without having done the research. I mean, people will always say finding a job is like trying to find a job is a job in, in it itself. And it is. It really is. Uh, and it takes a lot of time, a lot of commitment. But part of the, the beauty of this program is just helping people learn what's out there. Because as with all of us, you don't know what you don't know. And as a veteran coming out of the military, there's a lot you don't know about the civilian workforce. And there's a lot that our, our host companies don't necessarily know about veterans. So the, the beauty of the program is also kind of bridging that divide between both. Yeah, uh, really well said, Lisa. And, and I just, I got a dovetail on that. I've started to, to describe it to people, to veterans, you know, whether it's through four block or another mechanism, it's about discovering opportunities and having, and having those opportunities discover you. And so being armed with the right tools, you know, they're going to discover you and your value because you can express that and what you want to do and, and the strengths you bring in your skills. 
And by building that network and interfacing with people through four block or other mechanisms, you're discovering a whole new world that, that you didn't know existed. And then you can, it can tighten your shock group for the kind of work that you want to do. The other thing, and this goes back to relationships, right? Because we're talking about human to human interaction at the end of the day. And so what I've started to say to veterans over and over again is stop shopping for jobs. Don't shop for jobs. Don't apply for jobs. Shop for and apply for people because people and relationships help you discover and the opportunities and the opportunities then discover you. So which that kind of, kind of goes me. back, which goes back to you can't fake caring, which is really right. true. And companies, yeah. you, yep. you can't fake, um, um, not compassion, but oh my gosh, Eric, I'm like dying that my words are culture. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. You, yeah. Can't yeah. Fake, you can't fake yeah. culture. And oftentimes, yep. you know, you can read on people's websites or a company websites what the, you know what the culture appears by talking to people, learning what they do, meeting people in those companies. You learn. Like we have a lot of people from different companies that we work with that will tell you the exact reason why they've stayed with that company for so long. And in fact, we were—I was at a session, one of our sessions in Washington D.C. Um, at a great company, Guidehouse, and one of the representatives there, who I knew when she was a four-block student, then a coach. Now she's part. Now she works for the company. But part of their culture is, you know, she had some some family emergencies that she had to deal with. That company bent over backwards to make sure she had everything that she needed, that she was able to, and that they almost forced her to, to shut her computer, turn you know turn her phone off so that she could deal with things that she had to deal with so that when she came back, she was that they were there to, for her. So there, there's so much about culture of companies that you learn by meeting that you wouldn't learn unless you had the opportunity to talk with people and meet with them and learn about how they describe their company. Um, you know, Four Block, there's not one program out there that's the be all and end all for every veteran. That's just not the case. I think from my personal opinion, and I know I'm a little jaded, I think we do an incredible job um, for a number of, of folks who are just ready to receive information. You know, if you come in and you think you know it all and there's nothing that we can help you with, then it's just not the right program for you. And that's no, okay. Because, because, yeah, because we're from Missouri. We don't care whether you're a full <laughs> or two masters. Come on, show me. Show me state in the house. Just so y'all know. Here. Like, oh, yeah. show me. <laughs> you got to show me. Oh, you, you can tell show your story, state. Ken. We heard. Right, tell me your story. We're not from over there. I got. Don't worry about it. But let's let's, let's digress, Eric. <laughs> this is how our, our initial conversation on the phone started. <laughs> so yeah, everything. Well, okay, I'm sorry. No, I, I, yeah, I, I, we're, we're we all we all try and be you know from Missouri on a show me, and we want to take you wherever you are in these skills and help you get better because people come in naturally at a different level or experience with these skills that we're teaching. And our job is to make you better so that you can really rock it when you're having those personal interactions with people out there. Because it's all about, and it is, we've all said it, every single part of career development and career planning is relationships. And what our goal is, is that over the course of 11 weeks that you have had the opportunity to develop your own relationship-based strategy to help you get to where you want to go.
You know, again, we're not going to put you there. We're not going to tell you where you should be. We're not going to call someone and say, hey, Eric, do you have a job for Eric? You know, he's a great guy, blah, blah. No, it, we're, we will do everything we can in our power within our network to help you with your network. But the whole purpose <laughs> is to just help you help start to, to adjust your mindset to where not only that you're open to, to receive what's out there and to learn what's out there, but open and understanding that you will make some mistakes along the way. You can't, you can't go forward without that. Um, and that you really cannot and should not do it alone. I mean, that's, I think that the biggest, the biggest takeaway. Now the spouse program um, is very, it's very, it's, I would just say it's similar, but different to the veteran career readiness program. The spouse program was created um, from, from a pilot cohort where we really wanted to figure out what do military spouses need. Again, just like, you know, you meet one veteran, you've met one veteran. That's that's how individual individualized veterans are. It's the same certainly for military spouses. They do have, just like veterans have, a, a unique um, soft skill set, really just from the as far as I'm concerned, like if you once you make your way through boot camp and you're still there, there's something there. Um, with military spouses, there's there's a similar something there. So we didn't want to come out and do something that other programs were doing because that just doesn't make any sense. We're not, we don't want to step on toes. Like we're, like we're not, even with four block, you'll find people will find mentors through the program. We have coaches, but we're not there to assign you a mentor because there are other programs that do that. You know, ACP, there are plenty of places that do that and do that really, really well. We know what we do well and we try to stick there, but then also, you know, open the door for other um, organizations to, to come in and also refer you, just like with Canderful to other organizations. The spouse program, um, instead of focusing on the relationships right away and the networking right away, the spouse program focuses more on helping that spouse better understand him or herself deep down, how to kind of, how to, how to discover who they are and learn who they want to be, how to refine and figure out what they want, how to get it, and then kind of, and to identify the challenges that they might have, and then how to create their own strategy for actually, whether it's pivoting to a new career, starting a brand new career, get m making it into the workforce because you gave the workforce up when you became a military spouse because the military and your family was your number one job. So every single spouse comes from a different place. Um, the entire program is online. We have spouses this semester from, I'm going to say 27 different cities and, and um, Italy and Germany. Um, yeah, it's, 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 a very, it's a very, very specific program that again is focused on the spouse, on him or helping him or herself just figure out who they are and where they want to go. Um, our goal is to then bring, actually we're planning right now, about halfway through the program, we will do uh, an information session with some of our military, uh, with some of our four block host companies, just so spouses can start having those similar conversations and learn more about what's out there. But the main goal is just to help give that spouse um, the, the um, confidence that he or she needs to make just in very important decisions for themselves. And I think now I've talked for way too long. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> real, real quick, a couple of a couple of quick notes uh, that I wrote down that were were incredibly important that were said by both Eric and Lisa. First, Eric said the the itch. I, I swear to you, I've had that conversation with so many people about the itch. If you don't understand the fact that if you've done any military service and you, you've done it for an extended period of time and you were good at it and you and you found yourself every single and you progressed up those ranks, you have that itch. And that itch will drive you crazy if you don't have closure. Remember when I when we spoke last night, Prince, we talked about closure. If you don't have closure when your career in, in the service yes. is over, that itch will it will literally destroy you. It'll destroy your family, it'll destroy your friends, it'll destroy your loved ones because you're not complete. So Eric hit the nail right on the head with you trying to figure out and find, and you need to have closure of one part of your career and your chapter in your life so you can start your next chapter of your of your career of your life just like you the can't other... every transition begins with an ending it has to begin with an ending that's you, right you can't have a new beginning without without an ending it doesn't mean that your life is over that... it means that that piece of your life right, right. lisa did, lisa did i tell absolutely. you what Dave you told me absolutely first session I led in New York City, he said, he pulled me aside. This is Damien Bertolo, who was a uh, Mustang. He got out as a first lieutenant Marine Corps. And I got, I got 20 years on this young gentleman. And uh, he said, he said, Eric, he said, you got to remember when you're talking to these veterans, you're not a lieutenant colonel anymore. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, you're, you know, it just dawned on me. It's like, I, I, you know, this is, this is a new program, you know, new, and so, um, that ending, you know, have to get through that. So yeah, Alex, go ahead. The, the, the other thing, if you if you attained any form of uh, rank in service and you were a leader at any point, or if you were even anointed by your, by your men and women to your left and right as a leader, what I found, we were really good at being masters of chaos. The oh, yes. army taught me how to be really, really good at how to master chaos. So when I transitioned to law enforcement, the stuff that people were freaking out about, I could walk in without a shake in my hand. Could CPR, trying to chase someone, car pursuits, tasing someone, gunpoint. I was, my heart rate was never jacked. Would you sit me down in front of the computer and have me type out that report? I was a hot disaster mess. I was like, man, how do I even start this thing? I, I would literally have to get templates because I couldn't start my own arrest reports. Because I was like, geez, but you have me chase a suspect, tase this guy, save a woman, go into a, a car that's on fire. I've done all those things. Masters of chaos. And when you separate, you're no longer a master of chaos. Now you have to figure out how to be a team member and how to actually fulfill your role in that position with whatever company you go with or whatever, how you pursue it. So that was something that I found very interesting. The other thing was, the other big thing that we, we, we were, if you did some time in the military, you know how to live like a nomad. You know how to live very well like a nomad and you can transition from place to place to place. Why? Because you know Uncle Sam has your back. I moved my family two times to Germany. I can't get some of my family members to drive an hour to come visit me oh. here in Tampa Bay because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a problem. They come can't on. figure out how to go all get in the same car, right? So we have a very nomadic way about us of how we do things and where we go. And even, even how we live, 
if you go into a veteran's home, a, a newly separated veteran's home, you'll realize his civilian house resembles a lot of his military house. There's a lot of things that he or she have or their habits or their mannerisms that are still the day, right? The other thing was uh, healthcare. A great point that Lisa talked about, and here's something that I didn't say, I didn't. I left this out, Prince knows this very well. I, I retired on December 31st, 2017. The police academy started January 10th of 2018. It, during my transition, so let me back it up. October the 23rd is my change of responsibility as a first arm. November the 9th is my interview with the Tallahassee Police Department with the chief of police to, for my interview. I go down to Tallahassee for the interview. I come back home. When I get back home, my wife is diagnosed with cancer. The day I get home from, a, from probably one of the most exciting days of my life is the most awful and crushing day in my life. My wife, I get told my wife has breast cancer. So as my wife said, listen, we're gonna do it. We're already transitioning. Everything's been signed, we're leaving. So we transition into the civilian world with my wife now needing top-notch medical care for cancer. So needless to say, I now have to focus and think, man, I've got to go to a police academy. There's no way. Nobody told me you take a test every week in the police academy for six months. I almost said, the heck with that. Nobody told me that. I, I and then, those weren't the words you used. Oh, no, not at all. Different words. <laughs> so uh, now I am stressed out to the max, to the max. I'm transitioning. I'm leaving a career that I loved. My wife has cancer. I signed up to be a police officer. Our oldest daughter is expecting our first grandson. Our son's in basic training. I've got a high schooler who hates my guts because I'm moving her her <laughs> junior year. And, and then I've got a, a, my last one who's happy because she's, she's going to Florida, Disney World. So all of that is happening within the time space. So here's the reality of my phone call with TRICARE. I called TRICARE and I said, I need to make sure that my coverage is for my spouse is 100% covered. They were like, first hour, everything's gonna be taken care of. I literally dropped a massive F-bomb on that lady on the phone and told her, don't play with me. Do not play with me. I I'm, I'm in a really bad mental place right now. I never cried as much as I cried during my wife's battle with cancer. Everything we did, I was a hot disaster crying mess going to the Mayo Clinic, going to all these stuff, all of her surgeries. So when you add the top, the pressures of saying, okay, when I transition, who's gonna take care of my family medically? That's another great point that I think a lot of times gets overlooked. And that was something that uh, was circling through uh, between Eric and Lisa. Check, check, that's good. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, I don't know what happened. I tried to hit mute on like three different things. Uh, so two things happened. One, during that whole time, Alex also had to come back from terminal leave and take me to my Audie Murphy. Oh, board. yes. <laughs> so, so, it is all about you. So during no, terminal no, leave. Listen, so that's funny. This was, funny this was even worse. Terminal. It made it worse. Yeah. yeah, we go and he's going through the process for Audie Murphy. I've got terminal leave already, already done. I'm out. And so obviously I suit up. Come on now, that's my guy. I suit up and I, we show up to the board with him. And the, the president of the board is like, hey, first arm, aren't you like retired? I was like, well, I'm on terminal leave right now, sorry, Major, but don't worry about that. Let's get this thing done. Let's get this man inducted <laughs> into the Audi Murphy Club. So yes. That was one thing uh, that was, it, during all that time I was there for. It. 
so I got to see it in action. Um, and Alex sacrificed not only his family time, um, but also he put his career on the line for me. So um, having you here tonight, Alex, is wonderful and awesome. And I appreciate you coming in. Pleasure. Um, Thank you. Eric, thank you for coming in and saying all the great things and, and, you know, just walking us through and letting everybody understand what four block is and, you know, what the real mission is for it. And Lisa, thank you for like the background history on four block. Um, I think y'all said it during my class, but I was a hundred miles an hour trying to take notes. Um, and my wife just came down. No one listens to me anyway, so it's all good. My wife just came down to talk about the spousal program. I asked, I texted her to come down because I wanted to get like some information from her. Cause so you have someone that's in your program here in my house and you know, the good things that's about is she knows, you know, what career field she wants to go back into, but it's getting her back into that career field and also her chasing her hobby of doing like a home bakery thing or whatever, you know, so it's it's helping her like, you know, she might not get all the way into it, but it's identifying that that is something that she really wants to do. And yes, Littles here is back here waiting on me to take them to go, go to the store. But, you know, I appreciate all three of you coming on tonight by my request um it's the people that we meet in our life that make the changes and you know alex has been able to see it since 2016 until now um and he's been retired for five years coming here soon and oh no we're past five years oh yeah that was the other that was that just a couple days ago yeah yeah, (laughs) you know so who's counting it's amazing you know to see where he's at and i know all the jobs that he's went through and i know the two of you know my biggest stressor and i don't know if there's other servicemen out there biggest stressor is i didn't do things the right way when i was in the military i don't have a tsp program i don't have a 401k i don't have those things because of other decisions and choices i made as a soldier and i don't want to be that person that enters the civilian world and has five different jobs maybe join one company as a career and switch jobs in that company and that was like the biggest thing I preached for myself until the end and Eric was like well at least you're 100% know that you're not taking a job somewhere if you can't make it a career he said so don't go in and call it a career or don't go in and call it this is my new job go in and call it this is going to be my new career and he said if you say that in a job interview you'll be surprised at what's going to come out because most people are just looking for a job to just start something you're not you want to do something so you can figure out how to fix the mistakes you made while you're in the military so if you don't know what you want to do definitely look at it as a career that's one of the biggest things that i took away and i used it for an interview i had the other day um and it works i was gonna say hopefully it worked uh, it did. So I'm still working. I'm still working and networking with Caterpillar, doing my best. And I've been talking to more recruiters at Caterpillar. And each one is just, you know, I've got the ability and I've got the skills. We just got to figure out when we can get me in there for real interviews and jobs. And that's why I'm doing my internship back in that area so I can do it face to face because I might not be able to do the star method as good as you two can. <laughs> But at least I know if they see me and they they get the personality, they might say, you know what? It might be Alex 
at, at Signal Towers going up, like, you know what? I'm gonna give this young man one <laughs> chance and I'm gonna put yeah. everything I got on the line for him. You know, so it, it's awesome to know that you all provided that for me. And there's other soldiers out there that will benefit from it too. There's not a single soldier in my unit that does not know about it, that's in my platoon, that's getting out. I'd be like, go, you on LinkedIn? No, listen. You're going to get your LinkedIn up today. I'm going to show you exactly everything that you need to put on it. And it needs to look like mine by the end of the week. And then you're going to message this person from full block. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Needless to say, Eric and Lisa, uh, Prince's first elevator pitch was horrible. He pitched it to me <laughs> I have no doubt. And it, it was, was horrible. Horrible. <laughs> Everyone's first elevator yeah. pitch yeah. sucks. Uh, he, he, he told me what I was going to do. Now, before I forget, though, Alex, you're in Tampa, correct? Yes, I'm in uh, I'm in Hillsborough County. I'm about 30 minutes south of Tampa Bay. So we have a program. We have an in-person program this semester in Tampa and one in Orlando. I'd love to get you to the Tampa class just so you can see what we do. Okay. I'll get okay. your information oh, yeah. offline. Yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah. You You're thinking like me. I'm yeah. looking at a coach. There's no doubt about it. Um, <laughs> Look, <laughs> with hey, all of his I already time. seen it. Her eyes went like this. And I was like, oh. <laughs> but but for all the all the veterans to transition out there, getting ready to transition, listen carefully what Prince just said. He's building relationships at a company, staying in touch with recruiters, practicing his pitch, getting on the ground face to face. Because if it's not the first or the second job that he applies for a caterpillar, it might be the third job but it's the company and the culture if he knows that's what he wants. He wants so that was a very important point that Prince just snuck in there for y'all to pay attention to as he's describing his uh, his current process. <laughs> yep. yep. My process yeah. is running around with my head cut off, but it's working. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, you're, you're, you're right in that, you're right in that trying to control the chaos thing, right? That's what right. can I control, what right. can't I that's control? Right. What do I have that's to ask right. for help for, you know, elsewhere? The only other things I want to throw in real fast is for veterans out there to understand that we have this this career readiness program for veterans, both in a virtual format. If you're a veteran stuck in the middle of Arkansas somewhere, or Bent Elbow, Indiana, or wherever you are, you can do it in a virtual format around the globe, Okinawa, Japan, Germany, whatever. And, and we also have in-person programs in select cities, and you'll see that on the website, and we are expanding. The spouses program is virtual right now, worldwide. Um, jump on that fast for, for, for your spouse um, because it is it is a great program and it does fill up pretty quickly. Um, and uh, so just, you know, to add that into the mix. And also we talked about purpose and figuring out your why from Jump Street to get started in this process. Uh, the four block team in conjunction with Columbia University built an exceptional online course. It's called Find Your Calling. Find Your Calling. And it has some heavy hitter authors in there that talk about that process of figuring out your why, your purpose after the service as a, as a, as a start point for attacking a new career. So check that out as well. We've got the podcast with about 50,000 subscribers, a lot of great stories on there. Someday we're going to have prints on there, I have no doubt. You know, <laughs> so um, check out the podcast as well. Hey, that's great. <laughs> Back that? to you. That was hey, my Alexa. That was my Alexa. This is Alexa. Oh, I got, Al I got Alexa's Alexa saying it's time. it's time. I got Alexa's all through my house, and they set timers down in the kitchen for food we cook. So when it goes <laughs> when it goes off, the the other three in the house are like, "Hey, it's time! It's time to eat!" It's time to That's eat. Right. So, uh, 
Griff. And as y'all know, it's Papa Gift for those out there, you know, but I call him Griff. I messed it up the first time we met, and now he won't let me change back. You know, <laughs> you can't so. change. You said it so much. I'm like, yo, it's, it's you are, I'm Griff when you're talking. <laughs> so, well, you will now always be Griff to me. So. See? See? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, it, it you, just bro. don't sound right anymore before I'm from him. You know what I mean? It's like the teach I told you guys about earlier, you know? So um, everybody that are you joining or you've been with us for a while, we want to just say thank you so much for coming out and, and learning about transitioning uh, from a military standpoint. If you guys are looking on the screen, you see it says transition better, achieve more. This is the four block website. These are the representatives from Four Block that we spoke with today and we heard all of the great nuggets. You guys get a chance if you're transitioning or if you have service members that are transitioning. Look, do it early, hit it as often as you can, set yourself up for success. And if you didn't hear it, now you know, I'm telling you right now, they have a program for spouses as well so that you can't complain about the one on your way out. You know, when we PCS, you know, it sucks because, uh, you know, your spouse has to pick up and move and try to find it all by themselves again. Well, now there's a program that you know about that has assets and uh, resources for your spouses to help them with that transition as well. Um, Eric, uh, Lisa, Alex, Prince, thank you guys so much for taking this time to sit down with us and just drop some knowledge on everyone. Um, hey, look, we got to get together and do it again. Lisa, if, if we can get offline and then uh, maybe have the other um, the other uh, nonprofit come on. Oh, Canderful? Yes. I will uh, we, we be happy to on. put you in touch. Yes. They're great. I mean, really, really. Just an incredible, like I said, just a very specific um, niche that they fill and they do it really, really well. Right. Smart people surround themselves with smarter people. And I, That's right. I consider myself smart. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, Hey, that's the Papa Gift Show, man. Let, thank you guys again. Take care. If you missed most of the show, rewind it. Go back to the beginning, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Awesome. What's going on, everybody? I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, if you get a chance and you're listening to it on any of the platforms that had the opportunity, go ahead and click that like, comment, and subscribe button because it does help us out. It helps the algorithm. It also helps with everything else. So if you enjoyed the show, go ahead and press the button and uh, and share it. And if you can, leave me some comments, man. Go ahead and send me some feedback, some messages. You might find yourself on one of the uh, on one of the voice commercials. Uh, thank you again. I can't wait to hear you and see you on the next show. Be safe and God bless you. Peace. <laughs>